1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
2: This podcast is a Royfield brown production. Find others on
3: iTunes.
1: All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers.
4: I no, mean, that almost caught me on. Is that, that? that the end of that, did folks. Uh, this is dummy Dum, the show about the reality ducky drama that I sent on Amridge in the heart of the Midlands. And this episode is brought to you by Gary Bridge, who kindly donated to the podcast. And basically, remember that big list I read out everybody last week of everyone who donated? I forgot Gary. So I went, oh, bloody hell. He wrote me an email. He went, oi, mate, come on. Now, I am the Tinder-sized fan, who is Royfield Brown, and with me I have the Bumble-sized sidekick, who is... Philippa Hall.
5: Blummin' who are you? (laughs) Well, I was going up in the podcast lift, I think I pressed the wrong button, and and here I am.
4: (laughs) Fab. Now, folks, the last part of this week's Love Across the Dating Divide, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumby Dum is not at all a dumby Dumb. It's the theme from Strictly in honour of our oh, Jackie Smith, who's the first dumby Dumber to appear on the show. And didn't she do well? Uh, did you watch Strictly?
5: I wish I could, but nobody in my family enjoys watching it, which is terrible. So I don't. So sometimes I catch up on my own, but it's, it's very sad. Wrong I think answer, I need...
4: Philippa. Wrong yeah, answer. Yeah, sorry. Answer. Live okay. three your teeth. <laughs> I I'm do. i start again.
5: I didn't do. Did watch
4: Strictly on
5: Saturday <laughs> with our Jackie Smith dancing? Oh, it was absolutely brilliant. I thought the dance moves were sensational. The costumes, the whole collaboration. It was just out of this world, frankly. Can
4: can we just not narrow in on our Jackie? Now, I'm going to ask you for a third time. Did you watch Strictly on (laughs) Saturday, Philippa?
5: (laughs) Yes, I did. uh, Jackie's dance moves were, were brilliant. Jackie's costume was fantastic. And Jackie's collaboration was out of this world.
4: Much better answer.
5: Now, <laughs> Philippa, if someone would like to sing us in a dum dum how can they do that? <laughs> if you would like to sing us a dum dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203 031 3105. Leave us a message on Speakpipe or send us a text message starting with D-U-M to 077 86 690. Thanks to our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups Mike Hatton for his character counts Shambridge for her voices and to Lucy V Freeman
4: Now, uh, before we go on any further, I don't want to receive another email saying I got the Copeland thing wrong Last week. Now, um, I said last week that Aaron Copeland, who did Fanfare of the Common Man, was the father of Stuart Copeland, the drummer from The Police. Now, as far as I know, they're both Americans, but they're not related. They're not father and son. I got it wrong. I read it somewhere years ago on internet. You can't believe everything you read on the internet. However, thank you for everybody who told me that. I got that ass about it. Now, on this week's episode, we hear views from Lydia, Jenny from Southampton, Jane Gage, Glenn, Full of Love, I love me. A little bit of glint. Young Keith, who's got some really pointed comments to make about dating as our young Keith. Jen, Ambridge Pony Club, she's there too. Helen from Rotherham, I've never been to Rotherham, have you, Philippa?
5: No, I haven't. I will put it in my diary and make sure I do it tomorrow. Well, actually, I don't know if I'm allowed with all these restrictions at the moment, but I Mm -hmm. will when I can, yes.
4: It's probably rife with COVID. You don't want to be like racking up to, to Rotherham without knowing what tier it's in.
5: Let let's not jump to conclusions, but I would of course do my research, yes. You know what? You sound a little bit like a super spreader.
4: The fact that you're just ready to go there at a moment's notice.
5: Don't now don't you dare bring that on on me, Mr Royfield. No, no, no. <laughs> That, that's not happening. No, I am. I am. I've got so many bottles of antibacterial gel in my house. I am as far from a super spreader as it's possible. You know, the the postman knocks on the door and he's immediately sprayed from head to toe in antibacterial spray. So no, don't don't bring that one to my door. Thank you very much. And the last
4: no. caller in is our Tony, occasional Tony, who calls in occasionally. But mm. first, it was the week that was in Ambridge.
6: Hello, Dumpty Dum. I'm Amber, and on This Week in Ambridge, Mince Casey used his powers of catfishing to lure our Lizzie out to the pub so he could tell her about an egg mayo sandwich. Freddie and Lily, never a few carrots short of a pie, this pair, sharp as ever, sensed that their mum was on a date. Philip winds the clock back and hands Kirsty some printouts of some properties he's found. Seriously, who's using printers these days? We heard from Pip. Everyone made it sound like we were going to be rich. Ruth asked, if you had all the money in the world, would you give up farming? Well, yeah. And in breaking news, an enormous script writing blunder. Someone managed to say something without being interrupted. Fallon let Harrison know how she felt. All in all, not much more to say on this wholesome storyline than there's something incredibly uncomfortable about hearing a functional and mutually thoughtful relationship on the archers. Back to our favourite pair of privileged ninnies. In their latest attempt to kill their mum through sheer force of social embarrassment, they decide to follow her to a conference and declare their absolute disgust at what a horrid choice she's made in man. Lily, when you were seeing a married man, you didn't tell me about him, did you? Nope, Mum cheerfully let you thought I was a studying hard lesbian
4: that's all from this week in Ambridge ta oh thank you for that Amber oh wasn't that good Philip? but now very quickly Miss uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Hall um, you have to tell everybody what exactly is your Ambridge vintage because dependent on uh, said vintage your, your words will have more weight in this podcast <laughs>
5: Okay, well, some years ago I did. I was a caller in a where I stated this, but just to hold my hands up, I'm afraid. Everyone take a deep breath. I am a Josh. I'm sorry, but I am. Uh, so as many of us have, I grew up listening to it with my parents having the radio on, um, but I remember listening to it myself of my own choosing from about the time that Josh arrived on the planet. Well,
4: it's not a bad vintage per se.
5: Well, I'm afraid I'm a Josh fan. I'm sorry. I'm going to have it out there. that I don't think there's anything wrong. He's putting up with Pip. I I mean, I know we've got a lot to talk about this week, so I won't try and jump it too quickly. But um, uh, yeah, Josh, I am a fan of Josh and no one can stop me. Now you
4: have a podcast called the Quick Book Reviews podcast. So you're all about reading about heroes and anti-heroes. I would put Josh in the kind of the anti-hero kind yeah. of column. Would that be yeah. correct?
5: Yeah, I I would completely agree with you.
4: So fundamentally you like shit bags then. <gasps>
5: no he's got a story wrong-uns, 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 no. wrong-uns.
4: complicated characters I mean complicated characters
5: yes and I do feel we've got a lot of complicated characters in the archers but but are you a complicated character as well would you say
4: no straight up and down me <laughs> boring um as interesting as a, as a slice of white bread nothing much you see here mm. move on.
6: Hello, Ambridge 3962.
4: Let's start with Lydia.
6: Hi,
7: everyone. It's Lydia. I think it's the first time I've called in since the new structure of the show. I'm really enjoying it. I am um, at how to read address on uh, well on Twitter but i'm I'm not really on Twitter. I don't use it, but I'm on Instagram um, a lot professionally and personally if anyone wants to see me there um, I'm just calling about Ruth actually because I know there's been a lot of chat about the way she has recently been with her kids, which I agree is a bit odd a bit off I don't really get where that's coming from but I want to talk more generally that I, I've always kind of had a bit of a so I saw spot for her. I don't dislike her in the way that a lot of other listeners seem to. And I wonder if it's partly because I really felt for her when there was the whole thing about moving back up north, uh, moving Brookfield. It's one of those unrealistic things about the Archers that David has um, all his family within a stone's throw of him. His mother, his siblings, everyone is there for him to speak to, rely on whenever he needs. Ruth has never had that. And I don't have that presently in uh, other times of my life. I haven't had family around and it's hard. It's hard. And I think people tend to forget that about her. They tend to see her as not being a team Ambridge player and, and all this. And But I, I do feel for her, and particularly with her mum being so ill, it makes perfect sense that she wanted to go back up north to be with her. And now, of course, her mum's died, so she hasn't even got her mum there. And I think people tend to forget that. And I think they see her as being um, standoffish and, uh, I don't know, yeah not a sort of community player which i don't think is the case i think there's a lot more to her than meets the eye and we really would have benefited from a, a ruth monologue to find out more about what that might have been so yeah I, I really don't have a problem with her i do quite like listening to her and um yeah i just wanted to put forward a bit of uh,
5: yeah put myself in the ruth camp well so lydia's all on Team Ruth, that's um, that's one perspective. I understand it's a good point Lydia makes, actually, I think, that Ruth has no family nearby and that must have um, quite an impact on on how she feels in the community. But she has been there a long time now and she is very annoying and she still can't make lasagna. So, you know, th- I see what you're saying, Lydia, but I don't know. Uh, Ruth has not won me over. Well, what about you, Royfield?
4: I'm not as down on Ruth as most listeners actually are, but I think that Lydia makes a really valid point that she is isolated in terms of, you know, she has no other Mm. than her immediate family. She has no um, extended family close by. But I would go so far as to say then she should have thrown herself more into like the middle of the village being um, a part of things. And Ruth has never been really a, a part of the village firmament, has she?
5: And the people that she seems most off with are her close family, actually, it seems to me, not the wider community. Um, so, again, if she was really struggling, I would expect her to be having really good relationships with those closest to her. I mean, I suppose sometimes we take it out on those closest to us when we're going through difficulties. But still, I would thought there'd be some compassion and care. I don't know. What do you think?
4: It's really made me think about her relationships with her close family members. You've really made me think, you and Lydia. And Ben is close to Jill. David Mm. seems to be close to Pip. Mm. Josh is close to nobody other than his wallet. (gasps) Oh! Well, come on, come
5: on. Well, at least he's actually focusing on sustainable businesses, but let's not go there. I, I'm not here <laughs> to defend Josh. It sounds like I am, but he's well, the best. Sounds like
4: you, you did set yourself up as being yeah, proudly did. a Josh person. Yeah. You really did. Yeah, you know, okay. you're you, you, you Josh Rosette. You Josh <laughs> what, are <laughs> Josh hat. You I, know, <laughs> I
5: printed, I've got tea towels. Yes, yeah, support Josh. Exactly. Everything. Let's no. make
4: Josh great again type of thing. <laughs>
5: <laughs> uh, Lydia, um, th- thank you
4: for
8: thank you for calling in. Mm.
4: Uh, now, from Perth in Australia, which I believe that's where Lydia is, we go to Jenny in Southampton.
8: Hello, lovely Royfield, esteemed Kerry co-host, Peter, 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 and dumpty dummers everywhere. It's Jenny from Southampton. I haven't called her in it for a couple of weeks, and there's every chance I might even be too late for this one, so we'll see. Firstly, thank you three for your very kind words about my whistling... I'm so glad you enjoyed it, and I encourage everyone to have a go at recording one. It was very easy to do. Secondly, and following on from last week's podcast and the discussion about Ruth as a vile mother to Ben, the apple didn't fall far from that particular rotten tree, did it? My blood absolutely boiled at Pip exclaiming that Ben always goes for girls out of his league. What a cow! Ben's the only nice member of that family. And I look forward to the day he finds someone who appreciates him more than his awful sister. And while I'm on the subject of Pip, there were a couple of hints about Rosie becoming out of hand. So here's my first public plot prediction. Perhaps we're being set up for a long term storyline to run parallel to Alice's. Do you think that Rosie could have some behavioural difficulties? Finally, and on a completely different note, I've just started working my way through Royfield's 10 American Presidents, and I'm learning a lot. So if you haven't listened to it yet, I commend it to you. Thanks, as always, for the podcast. It's the perfect pandemic panic panacea. Bye for now.
5: Oh, wow. Gosh, so much to cover in that one and Pip being so nasty to to Ben and to to josh as well and predicting that rosie could uh, as a long story keep misbehaving as, sh- as she grows up and also quite a bit of sucking up to royfield there with your with your podcast i thought um uh,
4: not enough <laughs> not enough actually <laughs>
5: well, she have told or me more. before she
4: called that she was going to talk about 10 American presidents, I'd have extended the record time for her. She could have got another <laughs> couple of minutes in, I tell you.
5: Yes, yes. Well, back back to Rosie. I don't know. I just think it's fascinating how this child is going to grow up with Pip as her mother, Ruth as her grandmother. I I just feel sorry for that child. I really do. But it's going to be interesting to see what she inherits, um, personality-wise and financially. Is she going to be on the farm Although Pip did announce this week that if she had the money, she wouldn't be farming at all. So maybe they'll be in Honolulu some uh, in the future. Are you a Pip fan, Roy Phil? Come on, let, let's have it. Let's have it out now. Are you a Pip, no, Pip fan?
4: No, but I'll tell you what, I'm a, definitely a fan of the Cleveland Browns. You should have seen it. So we played the Cincinnati Bengals <laughs> this Sunday. It was one of those games where it just went score for score. They scored, then we got a touchdown and, and it just got traded and, trade and traded and traded. You wouldn't believe they only went and scored. Can you ask me if what who am I a fan <laughs> of? That's the reason why we're talking about this. So <laughs> they scored and went four points ahead with only one minute to go. And you know what? Is this a domino team? Or
9: this dark? Ameri- this American
4: it's American football. <laughs> <laughs> oh, American football.
9: Oh.
4: Anyway, what? suffice to say Baker Mayfield played out of his skin. Three massive throws to go down the field. We scored a touchdown with 11 seconds to go. We beat them by, by three points. Go Browns. That's who I'm a fan of, them and Birmingham City. I'm not actually a Pip fan, no. But I'm not, not a Pip fan.
5: I don't know. I was thinking about all these scripts that they said had been cut when they had mm-hmm. to go into lockdown with the monologues uh, and they said they were all binned. I just wonder if then they got the bin out and started picking all the scripts out. And if what we're hearing, particularly this week with Vince um, and and uh, Josh and Pip and Ben, if that's actually something that we would have heard if lockdown Hadn't happened, and okay, they might have had to cut out a few of the characters uh, where the actors can't get to the studio. But do you think we're at hearing what was written some months ago?
4: I've always suspected that, if truth mm. be known, I was always really surprised that they made such a big thing of you know ditching twelve weeks yeah. worth of scripts. They've just delayed them, haven't they? Surely,
5: just got a pair of scissors out, bit of blue Peter, sticky tape, cut them together, cut a few people out, and. And we're good to go. Thank goodness we've got this back. Instead of the monologues, we've actually got something that stirs up a bit of feeling. Yes. Here is uh, somebody else
4: from another bit of the world, not Southampton, not Perth, Australia, but West London, my old stomping ground. Here's Jane gauge and she He's got something to the last week in, in Ambridge too.
2: Jane Gage here with a possible plot prediction. Could two characters who are currently in relationships where the other partner doesn't want children get together? I tweeted on Sunday that possibly in 2022, after a drunken outpouring of regret of not having children, that Harrison and Kirsty have a one night stand that results in Kirsty getting pregnant. Wishful thinking on my part. I predicted this would split Ambridge. Having thought this over, I see two obstacles hampering this scenario. A. Do the scriptwriters have a list of possible plot lines that are abandoned once they are discussed by Dumpty Dum, as plot predictions? And B. On Sunday's omnibus, Kirsty's whole demeanour is so young fogy that it could never be possible for Kirsty and Harrison to be an item. She couldn't even move beyond being just a friend of Kenton's in the Jacks' days, when quite frankly, anyone could have pulled him. So it's either Roy or Alistair for Kirsty. And if anyone says that both are too old, you only have to walk around West London on a Saturday afternoon and you will see that the mature dad is not an uncommon phenomenon. <laughs> That's brilliant. So uh, we've got a plot prediction.
5: 2022, we we could have Harrison and Kirsty with a one night stand Kirsty pregnant, and I love this observation um, about whether the BBC (laughs) delete uh, potential scenes that they've heard us talking about. But as for uh, Roy or Alistair for Kirsty oh, that's an interesting one. I don't know. I, I just love Kirsty to be on her own. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean be on her own, be happy in who she is, not look for somebody else to sort of fulfil her and just give her time to not be let down by anyone and just be really just be really happy. That would be nice for Kirsty.
4: Kirsty's always been one of my favourite characters. Um, mm. Her and Fallon back, back in the noughts, I, I just utterly loved. And Brenda Tucker, actually. To be fair, mm-hmm. actually, the more I think about it, I had a whole load of favourite characters, I quite like Kenton when he first came back as well. And I even liked Adam yeah. when he first came back. But anyway, I'm uh, witchery None. And Ian, I liked everybody. <laughs> I do want Kirsty to be happy because, you know, she's had the rough end of the uh, stick, hasn't she, in terms of every relationship mm-hmm. that, that she's been in.
5: But do you think you have to be in a relationship to be happy? You know, is is wouldn't it be a good message to to send out from the archers that you you know you can be on your own and and all be fine and actually be better off? It doesn't suit everyone being in a relationship.
4: Well, I think we said this on a Friday Zoom uh to Annabelle Dowell, who plays Kirsty, that Is she going to end up basically being one of the matriarchs of the village, like Marjorie Antrobus? you know, like she like because she'll just say, "I don't need a man. They're all terrible. They've all let me down." But you're a woman of a literary bent. So, what character in literature is Kirsty and most like? Would you say?
5: Oh my goodness! Um, I don't know. I forgot the. Characters know she, she like that woman out of misery who kidnaps the author and um, <laughs> forms a very that, strange relationship. Wait a minute. <laughs> what
4: and then, like, breaks his leg so he can't leave her house.
5: Well, that's where she's going to. She's making bad decisions everywhere, you know. And and but, she whoa, whoa, was.
4: Whoa, 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 whoa. You and I have a very different take on the human spirit and psyche because I've just said she's going to be strong and resolute and independent. She's going to be Marjorie Antibus. You, you said she's going to be Kathy Bates and just go nuts,
5: <laughs> or she could be uh, Miss Havisham. Uh, you know. Charles Dickens just sitting there dressed in her in her wedding dress for the rest of her life with the chandeliers and and the wedding breakfast set out on the table which which never gets eaten you you never know but oh, I really want the best for Kirsty I want her to to spot what's going on and she's been there for other people and I, and so it's... wait a
4: minute you saying that she's Kathy Bates <laughs> or Mrs Havisham is you wanting the best for her <laughs> you're not much of a feminist are you. <laughs>
5: Oh my goodness! How very very day! I'm the one who's been saying she would be better off on her own, and and she doesn't have to depend on, uh, on a chat to make her happy. So thank then, you very when much.
4: I, but, but then, when I say so, what character from literature is you most like? Then you yeah. go for these women who have been broken. The patriarch has <laughs> ripped them asunder. Their spirit has been trampled <laughs> on,
5: and they're damaged. <laughs> but remember her scream in church. So what's going to happen when all this comes out about Philip? You know, we've already done the incredibly long scream. What's going to happen this time? So I think she could have a bit of a breakdown because she has um, built herself up on, since everything happened uh, with Tom, on spotting problems. And Kirst is the one who's supposed to be full of empathy and, and reading people correctly. And she's got all of this wrong, everything wrong with Gavin, with Philip. I don't think when all this comes to light, she's just going to be sort of skipping along and saying, oh, never mind, on to the next one. It's got to affect her deeply. And yes, yeah, she's strong enough. She'll go through the Stephen King phase and end up at, out of it and a strong female um, character in The Archers. But I think she's got to go on that on that journey.
4: There you go, folks. You heard it here first. Kirsty's going to go on a journey. Glynn, full of love.
9: Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glynn here. There seems to be a pattern in the archers when a big story or big store or a couple of big stories are running that you get a week on the major story or stories, and then a week in a more minor key. And the week just gone was definitely a minor key week. Over on the Great British Bake Off, it was pastry week. Over in Ambridge, it was Relationships Week. If on the Great British Bake Off, they managed to avoid the soggy bottoms, I'm afraid in the Archers, they had all of the sogginess going. In terms of the relationship between um, Vince and Elizabeth, the only plausible reason I can see for that relationship is that in this time of COVID, having started the internet data dating story with Elizabeth, uh, the scriptwriters and the team realised that it was just going to be too difficult to cast a new actor, and they thought, okay, uh, well, we'll just push it the way of Vince Casey. Elsewhere, there's been some speculation around what will happen to Kirsty after her relationship with Philip breaks up, as it inevitably will do, and some suggestion that she might get together with Alistair. Personally, I think... Joy Horville is a much more likely match for Alistair than Kirsty, even if Lucy V. Freeman on Twitter did think that perhaps Joy was a little bit old for Alistair, which I think is referring back to an old Ambridge Extra story. Anyway, I hope everybody in Dumpty Dumland stays safe and thanks for the podcast.
5: Well, wow, gosh, yes, I really agree that with a heavy week and then a light week, and, and this being the the soggy bottom light week, which I quite agree with. Um, I'm not convinced in the Elizabeth and, and Vince storyline. I'm wondering about Joy and Alistair. Oh, my goodness, the mind boggles. I don't know, with Elizabeth and Vince, Elizabeth has never made sensible decisions. I mean, she was lucky, I think, that her marriage with Nigel was a was a good one, was a happy one but it, it was never based on him being th- the perfect, sensible person. So I don't know. I can see Vince continuing to um, bring that side out of Elizabeth, and particularly the more her kids push her away from him, the more she is going to be steered towards him. Or well, That's just what I think. What about you? I was trying to think back
4: to Elizabeth's relationships. There was Cameron Fraser arch baddie in the yeah. early 90s um who got her pregnant yeah um he was a proper baddie then there was nigel and nigel just utterly adored her and yes but also i think as an antidote to Arch Baddie Cameron Fraser, you know, he was he was perfect. You know, he was so opposite. You know, there was there was no side to Nigel, was there? He just adored Lizzie. And she allowed him to have his um pet projects, his little eccentricities, but she always knew where where she stood with him, you know. So but, and, and they were a great team in that regard.
5: But he wasn't a really sensible person when when she first met him, and yes, he he mellowed over time. He matured over time, I think. But he he was doing some pretty crazy stuff at the at the beginning. So it wasn't he wasn't on paper. Sort of oh, this is a really mature person that you're settled down with. She likes sort of edgy. She likes that quirkiness. And I, yeah, and I think oh, okay. That...
4: Oh, no, you're okay. Edgy. I don't know about that. Quirky. Okay. Yes, yeah. All right. I'll, yeah. Fair yeah.
5: enough. Edgy. Wrong. Quirky. Right, but I, I don't know how it's going to work out. I was really surprised that they have even developed the Vince and Elizabeth story to this point. But what's going to happen now? I, d- I don't know, but she she needs someone. But can I just ask about seminars at the moment? Off she trots mm. to the seminar. Who is going to a seminar that isn't online at the moment? Were there only two of them in a room, sort of one at one side of the hall and one at the other, and they had to do some sort of team-building exercise with cans and string to hear each other talk? I don't know. Is, <laughs> is, is, is anything yeah. going on? Lizzie has a heart condition, so certainly up to recently she should have been shielding. So I don't know how she can suddenly be going out and cavorting at seminars. Yes.
4: I, I do like the whole opposites attracting thing. I, I, thinking back to Lizzie's relationship with Cameron Fraser, who was smooth but, like, bad, Nigel, Iftikar, Roy Tucker... I can't think of anybody else. Um, and I know there's going to be some dumdy some dummers of a certain vintage, people like Cosmo jumping up and down, who's going to be remembering Lizzie's boyfriends from, from the 80s. I just don't remember. I think there is literally nothing that strings all of those characters together. They're randoms in terms of any connective tissue, surely.
5: Uh, yeah, I'd agree. They're they're random, but they are all okay. Let's use that word quirky again. They've all got a, an Roy an edge is to not them. Quirky, he, no, he was quirky in what he wrote. No, he was quirky in what he represented to Elizabeth.
4: Which was what crushing normality.
5: He, he, no, he was young. He worked for her. No, he he was. Um, what was married. the marriage about the fact that he worked worked with her? She shouldn't have gone gone down that road. She shouldn't have gone down the Roy path. That was a path with a big sign saying, do not enter, particularly Elizabeth, because she it affected her reputation that she thought she had built up. It affected her relationship with other people. Um, it affected his life. It affected her business as well, because she couldn't have her sort of right-hand man then. he He wasn't sitting there with the label ideal man on his head. Okay, yes, I'd say he is quite dull, but it was what he represented to her that, that was I edgy.
4: I don't think it was that at all. I just think it was they were working closely together and this was three, four years after being widowed and one thing led to another, but, but it was physical in terms of she, she wanted that type of contact, not consciously, but subconsciously.
5: If you were standing there coming up with three suitable partners for for Lizzie, would Roy have been one of them? Would you have been saying yes? This no. is a Ex- no. exactly. So it wasn't the wasn't the right path for her to go down. She should have stopped at the warning sign and turned around, left the tent. At... So uh... <laughs> <laughs> left the tent, got it, out of there, uh, It's hard to do if you're in a state
4: of undress, though, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's like you know. <laughs>
5: <laughs> she could have. Now, come on. If if that warning bell had rung loud enough in her ear, she she could have manoeuvred herself somehow. Um, yeah. So it, it wasn't the it, it wasn't the right person for her on paper. And that's why I say it's sort of quirky, because it, it's the sort of coupling up, shall we say, uh, where you just put your head in your hands. and Just think, no, this is not going to end well. There's going to be tears shed. And there were.
4: Mm, mm. yeah it's all in the Roy Roy Tucker household really she wasn't shedding any tears was she she seemed to get over that pretty easily where it devastated uh you know Roy Roy and Hayley are no more
5: I I mean obviously yes the 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 main problem of course with was with Roy and Hayley but no, I thought there were issues at home for Lizzie as well and um her functioning with members of staff and, and the kids as well and, and people knew about it. it. No no true, true.
4: And the whole village did know about it. But mm. my but I think my point was though that for her, um those uh the ramifications Actually didn't have any lasting effect. She got her relationship back with her with her kids. Yes. Her reputation in the village has not suffered, whereas Roy lost his family. You know. Yes. And, but 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 he but he put that on the line. So before anybody says, but you know, he was married, he shouldn't have done this. I'm not I'm I'm not doubting that at all. But the ramifications um have been much more severe for Roy than that than they were for her. Yes. But anyway, anyway, Glynn, always lovely to hear from you. Do you know he's my adopted mm.
5: dad? Oh, that's lovely. Do you send him a Christmas card then?
4: Do sons send Christmas cards to their fathers? Don't think so.
5: They should... (gasps) Do you not send a Christmas card to your father? Oh my goodness, this is... It's all coming out Wait
4: on a minute. How old are you? Who sends Christmas cards anymore?
5: I send Christmas cards. Listen, I'm, if I have to sit there writing them, then everyone else has to suffer the pain as well. I don't want to be the to only one sending them. Christmas. And, and if, I, if I write them all and send them out and then I get an email saying, oh, we've decided not to do it this year and give the money to charity. Now, don't get me wrong. All for raising money for charity. Absolutely. But I do think I would love to send that message out. I would love to send an email saying I haven't written Christmas cards this year, but I would just feel so guilty. I've got Christmas card guilt. Is that a syndrome? I don't know. Maybe maybe there's a helpline I could call. <laughs> Do you not send any Christmas cards out there?
4: No, not at all. Not at all. But I think this is... It's definitely a generational divide. And I'm kind of on the cusp. But also, I am a bloke. And I'm kind of itinerant as well. So people don't know where to send them for me. Uh, so I kind of get out and send them. But like... People, let's say 45 and and younger, fundamentally don't send Christmas cards. It's definitely, you know, one of these customs, which I believe is kind of on the way out. You know, the Internet has just kicked in the knackers, hasn't it? You know, oh, know, you're on Facebook, you send a little meme or some little sticker, you know, so with a Santa and a sleigh bells and put it on someone's timeline, but boom, it's no. all done.
5: you've got to go through it of, you know, who's going to send the first Christmas card? And you always get one in November and you're always thinking, oh my goodness, they're always so early and I haven't written mine. And then you write a paragraph in a card to somebody and they write back and they've only written you know their names in it or something and you have this festering resentment look I have dusted off my mantelpiece ready for my Christmas card from you Roy Phil so I'm expecting one
4: well that well that that was that was a fool's errand because (laughs) I've got to receive one from me missus I tell you with a name like young Keith young Keith don't send
0: Christmas cards either hello young Keith here just a quick one for me this week just finished listening to the omnibus And, yeah, I've got some thoughts about Elizabeth. It may or may not, well, it certainly will not come as a shock to you that uh, young Keith, me, is a single man and, therefore, a man who does use the dating apps. And I'm a bit disturbed, confused, at a quandary as to what's been going on with uh, with Elizabeth on her dating apps because she went on this date, presumably with someone off of one of her apps. Not sure. Probably Bumble, I'd imagine, but I'm not 100% sure. And she's gone to the bar, presumably driven and then d- drunk and driven home, which I didn't agree with as well. But she's gone to the bar. She's either very early and Vince Casey has intercepted her and persuaded her to sack it off, which I think is what happened, which is poor, poor form, just so rude and irritating and has made me think much, much less. Of Elizabeth if that's the case or the other thing which it almost seemed like at the start which is that she's been stood up in the sort of classic sort of 90s sitcom scenario but that just I'm I'm sorry maybe I'm overly naive here but I don't think that happens anymore even if you're gonna stand someone up at the last minute you will send a text you would not just be sat left in the bar so I'm not sure I know this may be a micro thing but this is something that that is jarring to me and I'm not really sure what's happened there so what is going on don't like it
5: Oh, no, this is interesting, all about dating apps. And, and and Elizabeth, did she get to the date too early and uh, just went off with Vince, or was she stood up, which um, I believe doesn't happen now. This is just all news to me. I'd be very interested to talk to you about this, Royfield. But it, Keith just was saying that something jars. But my, my, okay, I've got two questions. Number one, what is Bumble? Is it some type of bee? And number two, what, I don't think that there was a date that stood um, Elizabeth up or, or she got there early. I think Vince set the whole thing up and he got there and he took over the, the time with Elizabeth and she was clueless.
4: All right, so you're aware of Tinder?
5: Yes, I've heard of that, right.
4: yes. So Tinder works that you swipe right to give somebody a thumbs up to say that you find them attractive uh, and you swipe left for no. Uh, you've got to have a match to be able to to, right. be able to, yes. con- to converse with that person. Bumble uh, works by women have to initiate uh, contact. So it's... Um, so, mm-hmm. lots of women kind of kind of prefer it. So there are different kind of dating platforms, i.e., Plenty of Fish, which uh, you can get messages unsolicited. You just go, you just go through a list of faces and whatever. You go right, I like the look of him or her. Bish bosh bang. Mm-hmm. However, I do agree with Young Keith about standing people up. Many old world conventions around dating um, have been thrown to the dogs uh, because of the ease and the uh, commodification, if that's even a word, of of dating now. However, if you're going to stand somebody up, yes, you would send a text, even if it's like you should have been there now, you'll send a text to say, oh, I can't make it, something came up, you'll just lie through your teeth, which goes to push me in the direction of mint set this whole thing up.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Vince is a very smart guy and we've seen that with the way that he dealt with Lily and Freddie. Admittedly, mm-hmm. that was with the connivance of Elizabeth then, but he's a smart guy and I think that he's created maybe two or three profiles ensnared <laughs> our Lizzie, knowing that if she saw him, she's never going to say yes. And then he knew where she was going to be and he's manufactured the whole thing and he just slid right in. Because he seemed to know that, oh, you've been stood up, etc. Yeah. Why would he know that? She could, she could have been meeting a girlfriend. Just because the fact she was dolled up doesn't mean that she's necessarily meeting uh, a, pot- a potential romantic interest. So I'm erring on the side of thinking... He was three, four, five moves ahead of all of us.
5: Yes, I agree. And, and and just going on from that, once Lily found out, well, once she found out that Elizabeth was seeing somebody, um, she was so incensed when she said, is he married? And I just thought, oh, my goodness, it was such a role reversal. We had Lily and Freddie as really the parents and then Elizabeth as, as the child being told, what to do. And Elizabeth wasn't depressed because of because she she had a bad breakup, a bad relationship breakup. And so I could understand more why Lily would have been concerned that that could reoccur. Elizabeth seemed to be depressed about a number of things. And of course, Nigel dying, that was catching up with her as well. But Freddie being in, in prison, and unless that's looking to repeat itself, then I don't see why Lily is as concerned that a gentleman coming in to Liz's life could really destable her.
4: I thought that episode w- was great between her and Freddie, That the dialogue. You saw two siblings who could agree and disagree in equal measure. You know, Freddie does mm-hmm. say, you know, Lily, you know, you're going over the top here. Then Lily's uh, response to that made a whole lot of sense. And she said, I was with mum when she was depressed. And then mm. Freddie feels guilty because then he was, you know, knocked up at the time. Knocked up. He was, he was behind bars <laughs> at the time. Sorry, he wasn't knocked up. He, he was locked up. He was locked up, not knocked up. And Lily made an emotional case to a degree. Though Freddie kept on saying, why do you want to go and follow mum? This is kind of nuts. This is kind of crazy, mm. etc." But then the rank hypocrisy yes. with the fact yeah. that, you know, she went off. With, uh, with with Russ and Russ was married, etc. You know, it wasn't lost on on anybody, let alone Lizzie as well. I just found that episode utterly brilliant in terms of the dynamic between the two siblings. The, these twins, they are concerned about their mother, which all of us looking from the outside would say well come on you know she's a woman of what in her early 50s you know she's had a, a long time single um mm. she deserves if she wants to have um a bit of happiness and to try and find um a long-lasting relationship you know good luck to her that was young keith wasn't it that was young keith all right now uh, jen from uh, jen the ambridge pony club i believe is in the middle of ireland somewhere the island of ireland
10: Greetings, Royfield, Kerry, Peter, and all in Dumpty Dumland. It's Jen here in Ireland, just calling in about the conversation that Harrison and um, Fallon had about having children. One, I think it's quite disappointing because I think the nicest dad in the entire village would be Harrison. Uh, He has shown that he loves children. I'm just re-listening to 2015 and there is Harrison being Santa helping out in in the village fair. And he's just a lovely guy and he'd be a brilliant dad. So I think it's a real shame that Fallon doesn't want to have children. However, having had that conversation, I am beyond certain they will end up with a modern family of some sort. I can see something happening to his brother, the kids needing to go into care, them ending up with Daisy and Wolf. I can see them possibly becoming foster parents, something along those lines. Or there's always the inevitable Fallon gets pregnant accidentally, which, given the services for contraception and ambridge, would seem to be quite likely. On the other little baby that we're expecting, I think that poor soul of Alice's has no chance. I cannot see that the scriptwriters are going to allow her to have a baby who is fine in any way, shape or form. They can't. It wouldn't be responsible after the amount that we know she's been drinking. I think it could be a very obvious defect. Fetal alcohol syndrome can cause things like heart defects, that sort of thing. It's that or a miscarriage, I think, unfortunately. I think the four years is too long for the payoff for the scriptwriters. So I think they're going to go for something more dramatic earlier. Probably this is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back and breaks Alice's marriage and sends her into rehab. Whether then she'll get back with Chris when she's sober, I don't know. Anyway, I better go because I'm running out of time. But stay safe out there and i hope you're all well
5: oh thanks jen yes lots of really good points there about the conversation with harrison and chris and how harrison's been great with kids and will he and and fallon well jen is beyond certain so that's quite a that's quite a a punchy statement that they will have a modern family in one way or another and kate well it's, it's all looking a bit gloomy for kate I don't know. I just, oh, I'm banging the drum. I know I was talking about how Kirsty would be happy on her own, but I think as well, it'd be good to have um, a couple where they make the decision not to have kids and um, and that they're happy with that. Not not everyone wants kids and it doesn't work for everyone, but I do see what Jen says about maybe uh, Harrison's brother's kids. They have to um, adopt them or maybe they do fostering. There's so many different ways it could go what's your take on it i actually
4: found those two episodes quite touching i find myself saying this repeatedly what is brilliant is that the archers they either touch on topics which we haven't seen in any other kind of continuous dramas or a comment from a slightly sideways glance so we've had kirsty wanting to be um, a mother and having a miscarriage. We, we, and I would say that The Archers fundamentally looks at most issues from a female lens. Understandably, mm. understandably, the majority of the listeners are going to be female. And, and traditionally, for the first 20 odd years of its existence, it didn't do that. You know, mm. it was all about mm. farmers. And then and, and the farmers' wives were really were relegated what I found really quite touching was the fact that I viewed this storyline, maybe because I'm, I'm a heterosexual male, but I did really view this storyline from the perspective of uh, the partner who is male who wanted to have kids. And, mm-hmm. and I thought also what was very realistic was the slow realisation for Harrison that he did. Um, mm-hmm. When I was in my 20s, and, potential, uh, and like early 30s, my male friends weren't talking about actually having families. They were talking about being with somebody, but invariably it was it was their female partner who would bring up, let's have kids. For mm. then the archers to view this from the other lens, that the woman says, uh, you know, I thought about this and I don't. Whereas Harrison says, you know, uh, and he said to Rex, didn't he, uh, the day afterwards, you know, I, I, you see those kids in the supermarket screaming, and you thought, oh, God, no, not for me. And then, slowly but surely, you see somebody playing football with their son or playing with in, in the park with their daughter, and you go, yeah, I'd quite like that. And I think for, for men, that's the way generally how we see potential parenthood it's a slow realization as opposed to necessarily let's say a more pressing need but maybe i'm putting myself too much into this storyline but but i thought it was great that we we viewed both sides of this you know he's going to have times he's going to reflect and and there's going to be some level of loss maybe and and maybe so will fallon maybe yeah. she'll get to 45 and go crumbs i we we really should have done this i think we all want them to be happy and you don't have to be a couple and have kids to be happy but if this is a slightly recurring theme a bit of an undercurrent that every now and then one of them reflects on being mm. childless i think that'd be pretty realistic really
5: it's such a fascinating subject I, I don't know uh, i mean when when i was younger i said there's no way i'm having children i do not want children um there is nothing there's nothing that's going to change my mind and yet suddenly a friend of mine had had a baby sort of put it in my arms and it it was just immediate i just thought oh yeah gosh i see i see what it's all it's all about now and i i want to have a i want to have a baby um but that doesn't happen for everyone. And, I, and I'm just really keen that people don't feel forced to have it because it is such a huge commitment. It's such a huge thing. And traditionally, people, it was just expected, you know, that you, you meet someone, you get married, you have a family. And I think it's really good that people um, don't feel forced to compromise to what's expected of them.
4: Mm. Yeah. Goodness, that's really made us uh, think, hasn't it? and uh, yes. kind, of, kind of ponder. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think you can be, uh, be a parent and, and, and not um, take something out of that storyline. And, and, and again, it's just so well written, so well written. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you, Jen, Ambridge Pony Club. Uh, now, we, Helen from Rotherham. And we both have never been to Rotherham. So if you've ever been to Rotherham and your names are not Helen, why don't you kind of email in and tell us what it's like? But anyway, here's Helen and she's from Rotherham.
11: Hello Royfield, Kerry, Peter and everybody else in Dumpty Dum Land, it's Helen from Rotherham. I've been meaning to ring in with a plot prediction for quite a few weeks now and uh, I've only just got round to it but actually it's got nothing to do with this week in The Archers so forgive me for that but here is my plot prediction. So, Alice has been getting quite upset about her drinking and the pregnancy and I think she's been worrying about it quite a lot. And so I think that she's going to worry about how her drinking might have affected the baby so much so that she believes that the kindest thing to do is to get a termination. So she's going to go and get a termination, but she's not going to have the heart to be able to tell Chris. So she's going to tell Chris that she did indeed have a miscarriage. So Chris is going to be absolutely heartbroken at losing the baby, but think that Alice has had a miscarriage. He's then going to reach out to Kirsty to kind of befriend uh, Alice, like her experience with miscarriage, which is going to just make Alice struggle even more because she's going to be getting into this deceitful situation. And she is going to reach out and share that with Gavin because Gavin's the person that she spoke to about thinking about her alcohol issues. That's then going to mirror the situation that Gavin's in with um, lying about the gambling and having Alistair sharing his gambling problems with Gavin, which is uh, confusing Gavin. And then Gavin is going to share with Alice all of his issues with the fact that he's involved in slavery and yeah it's all going to come to light so that's my plot prediction probably won't happen um, but there we go that's what i think is going to happen thank you for putting out a great podcast um thank you for making me smile all right have a great week bye
5: great plot prediction about alice and having a termination but telling chris that she lost it and that pushes her to gavin and then gavin tells her really what's going on and by that point she might be back drinking and it could all come out that way in some in, during the rewilding pantomime Alice could get drunk and uh, deliver a whole monologue on on what's really going on no I don't think that will happen but uh, Helen's speaking a lot of sense I, I think what what do you think Roy Phil?
4: I definitely kept up with it at the start and it was a very clever plot prediction it did get rather Byzantine towards the end with all the different ramifications and then this happening <laughs> and then that's going to happen whatever but I, I but you know it, it made sense, definitely at the start. So mm.
5: I thought I thought it was as intricate as, Chris, as Chris's ironwork design. So I thought no, <laughs> I, I like what Helen had to say. Well done, Helen. Um, Helen, you're going to have to tell us.
4: You have to call in again and tell us all about Rotherham. Um, mm. I know a little bit about the football team that comes from Rotherham. I know it's in South Yorkshire. I can find it on the map. Other than that, you know. <sighs> My knowledge of Rotherham's pretty scant, so uh, why don't you call in next week? Give us uh, two minutes solid on the uh, on the city or the town of Rotherham and why we should all flock there. While the next Dum Dum meetup should happen in your hometown, because that'd be awesome. Now it's occasional Tony. Guess how often Tony rings in, Philippa?
3: Um, is it occasionally? Hello there, it's um occasional Tony phoning in. I've got to do this quite quickly because I've got lots of points to make and I've got builders drilling holes in walls. Anyway, uh, the burning issue for me has been on farm finances. The exit from the uh, European common market means that at the end of this year, that's two short months away, 55% of every farm's income will be in jeopardy. It will be going. Parliament and all the farming people have been talking about this problem but The Archers haven't. Could we maybe talk about it sometime? The Archers now really is just a pure soap opera. No pretense of being an, any sort of documentary. Slavery, it is wrong, a very wrong. And anyone that touches it is defiled. However, how is the village going to cope with the fact that it's had lots of work done, projects done, Grey Gables was fixed, the little playground was done? The hunt, kennels were fixed, all by slaves. So how are they going to handle it? Of course, there is one exception, the holier than thou, the stuck-up, entitled elitist called Jim. He refused to have them work on his property, and he'll be even more superior at the end of this. I dread to look at it. Now, Mr Unsavory Mince, the meat man, is about to go after Elizabeth. Now, David has a way with those of uh, doing the tour of the roof. So be careful, Mince. Also, David's unbelievably bad negotiating skills. Another 10% off the wedding. What for? What business can afford that? Anyway, that's it. Bye for now. (laughs) Wow.
5: So Tony may appear occasionally, but he covers a lot of subjects, a lot of subjects to cover here. So we had the impact of Brexit on farms. We had slavery. um, And, of course, uh, as Tony says that Philip and and his crew have done so much work in the village, uh, and about David's bad negotiating skills and Vince should be careful with David on the roof. I mean, I, I think Tony's really, really on on the mark here about the uh, impact on farms. So we've got Ruth coming up with this incredible idea. To focus on the dairy and um, just create more uh, what she thinks will be wealth from that area. But it it does seem that, you know, with an export tariff, dairy could really be seriously affected by Brexit. So it doesn't seem that they haven't that they've done their research, but should that should that surprise us? And I love this idea of um, people when people find out what Phillips really like, that they go around in the village and suddenly start dismantling. Anything that that he's put together. Oh, and finally, I don't know what th- you think about this, Royfield, but um Vince and David, do you think that they'll end up at, at Christmas together? um You know, if, if Vince settles down with Elizabeth, there'll be the Christmas lunch, and then they'll have to do, I don't know, a family game of Pictionary or something. I can just imagine <laughs> what goes on and the sighing from David as he's trying to guess what Vince is drawing, and Vince is probably drawing, I don't know pound signs or something <laughs> that could be hilarious mm.
4: uh just the, the last thing i'll say about uh tony's wondrous call mm. is yes you know brexit and farming something which we did a pine about um many 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 moons ago on this podcast um but i i suppose that they just because the various triangulations shall we say to do with um them recording the show when they do, the fact that Brexit negotiations are still happening, et cetera, et cetera, they have to kind of leave it uh, and not get too close into it because they'll they'll ultimately get get caught out, you would have thought, but yes.
5: Well, but they are deliberately uh, allowing Ruth or Ruth is deliberately making this decision to change her business model now. And so are they opening the door to... Um, the farm being in a much more precarious financial position in, in a few months. That it, it, there's a deliberate attempt there to, to change it up at a time mm. when we've got Brexit going on. So if they were just carrying on as normal and they were very focused on the dairy herd, then I then I could understand that was a, a bit more up in the air. But Ruth mm. is adamant that this is this is the thing. This is going to make their their money.
4: This is such a massive blind spot for me that. She, so she said, oh, uh, "What exactly did Ruth say last week? I, what I, I was it Hereford dairy? Get rid of one, yeah. substitute for the other."
5: So my understanding, and I'm very happy for people to tell me I've got this wrong, but my understanding is she's saying let's just focus. So all cows um, mm. will be for dairy purposes. And yet dairy producing all the dairy products, that is something that could have really significant export tariffs on. Um, And so why would she at this point, uh, you know, the epicentre of all that's happening with Brexit, why would she make that decision? And yet, uh, and once more, why have they not sought um, to consult with people? There are so many dairy consultants out there um, and milk boards and, and all sorts of things, and they need to know that they can, send the the milk to someone and who are they going to sell it to um so ah, uh, uh, yeah i really i was just holding my head in my hands when i was listening to that which was a bit hard as i was trying to run at the time but never mind i managed it
4: when ruth said all of what she said last week i did say to myself haven't we heard this before but the but the other way around and yeah. and i and it is as i've kind of alluded to before earlier on in the show when they talk about the agricultural stuff in any kind of detail, it does go over my head. You know, I, I don't latch on to it, but I just thought, didn't you change this up before? But you know, I don't know. I don't And really they've know. they've
5: had no family meeting, they've had no business plan. Not that writing business plans is necessarily the best thing, seeing some of them right endless business plans but do you know what I mean there's there's been no meeting no looking at what's going to work and I I like the farming side because I, I I don't really know farmers so it gives me some new information something else to to think about beyond my normal experience and and that's 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 what I like so if I if I did come across a farmer I could talk to them at some length about uh the, the implications of their dairy farm or I'd pretend to thanks to the archers
4: glad that bit of the show um, resonates with you
5: (laughs) do you really do you not how often have you been in a rural setting when you go when you leave the the lights of a town or a city do you start coming out in a nervous rash
4: no no but I'm definitely a foreigner I appreciate that I'm in a completely different setting and I appreciate it for what for what it is I love having you know a bit of afternoon tea in a little village. I think that's all kind of lovely, but I I wouldn't pretend to understand the rhythms and the nuance of uh, rural England. Um, I just I just kind of instinctively don't. And considering I'm I've kind of infamously once said uh, the countryside is something you look at either side of the motorway going from place to place, right? That people many a person has said, well, how comes you love the archers? I love the mm. archers because of the interdynamic between the characters and then occasionally there's a bit of plot i just like character driven mm. stuff it just so happens that it's in a rural setting that is by the by for me it's it's not at all mm. essential you could literally lift the archers up and put them in manhattan and i'd be equally uh, as invested you know, the, the the fact that it's about farming is, is so minor in, in my list of things which, you know, which I find important, salient or I'm actually really interested in.
5: If someone phoned you up and said, right, Royfield, you have won this voucher to stay in a hotel and you can choose one either in a city centre or in the countryside. It has to be in the UK. Which one would you go for?
4: My gut will always be to go for. City centre. Um, if it's going to be the city centre of somewhere where I've been a thousand and one times, I might then plump for um, a rural setting. It has to be said, I went to a lovely hotel in uh, the village of Whitney, just outside of Oxford, a few months back, you know, just as things started to, to get eased and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was lovely. So I'm, I'm not against the countryside, but I like, I do like human culture. I like, cities I like architecture I like street plans I like uh discovering um little corner shops I I, I like the the paraphernalia mm-hmm. that comes with um human cities I like people living on top of each other I like the hustle and bustle of streets I that's what I like well I went to Berlin a few months ago two months ago and it just it just blew me away, seeing the layers upon layers uh, of human history. and yes, you can, you can see that in villages, but it, it's a diff- you need to view it with a different lens, and it has mm. a different rhythm. Uh, and I, I'm not against that, but it's not something which instinctively uh, draws me in, shall we say. Mm. But I said what you does know. draw me in though. Do you what? want to know what does? I do an email, an email, an email with an H. Cause yeah. we had quite a few in the last week, didn't we?
5: We did. Shall I shall I just go through them? Is this is this where I do my uh, email voice? Okay, well I've got one, two, three, four. So um we've had an email from Kate Bazicki talking about disability. Hello from a loyal listener in the US, I'm listening to the most recent podcast where you and your colleagues discuss Down syndrome and fetal alcohol spectrum. My son Martin has Down syndrome and people often struggle to talk about him because they don't want to say the wrong thing. I thought I would offer some ideas for ways to describe children with disabilities. We try to avoid the word normal as a contrast to the child with a disability. Normal implies there is a correct way to be a child and an incorrect way. Instead, we say typical or typically developing to describe those kids. This extends to facial features and other aspects of his body as well. A typical kid has one kind of eyelid. Martin has a different kind because of Down syndrome. We also don't say Down's baby or fetal alcohol syndrome child. My son has Down syndrome, just like my friend has cancer. But we'd never say my cancer friend or my stroke brother. They are people first, not diagnosis first. And I hope to convey that same message about children with disabilities. I hope this helps and give you more options to talk about these issues in future episodes. Here's a picture of my little guy so you can see what a delight it is to be his mum. Thank you for your excellent show. I really enjoy it. And there is a photo of Martin who is the most gorgeous boy I have ever seen and I have a I have a boy so that's saying something Martin is absolutely gorgeous what do you think Royfield
4: uh well it was incredibly touching uh Mm. to to get the email and 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 a reminder that uh, of the language that we use and that I probably used Uh, I didn't go back and listen to the episode but I I could imagine me saying the word normal Mm. Uh, and thinking nothing of it, so to speak, uh, and then to get that email, it, d- it just kind of pull you up, and then mm. you saw her little bubba, and he is wondrous. He sat there w- uh, with a massive grin on his face, mm. um, in his um, orange baby grow, uh, gr- green glasses, and wondrous uh, red hair, and um, he looks like a total treasure. So uh, thank mm. you for the email. Thank you for reminding us of your beautiful boy.
5: Mm, That's lovely. So on from Kate to Christine Naramore, who has a quick prediction. Vince is estranged from his daughter Bethan because of her relationship with an unsuitable man. What if this was Russ and Bethan was the one, before last, of his young partners? Thanks for everything and everyone wow yes christine that oh i would love that that would keep lily quiet for a bit that would put russ in his corner um it would make the whole vince story probably last even longer with elizabeth as well as that as that came out i don't know what do you think <laughs>
4: You know what, I don't know.
5: (laughs) Oh, no, wouldn't it be great? Let's bring Russ down, the Russ and and Lily uh, relationship. Let's bring it down. Let's shine the light on it. Um, And uh, Vince, I think, would have... A word or two to say to Russ about that. Also, that imagine if that came out at Christmas as well. So Vince has played Pictionary with David and Kenton, and then he's gone back uh, to Elizabeth and discovered that Russ is there, um, who was had befriended his daughter. Uh, that would be a great Christmas day. I want to be there to witness that.
4: That would be good. That'd be deliciously fantastic.
5: The next one is from Silver Girl um, with the title Ruth is of Our Mother Again. Hi again. After concluding that Ruth is really vile to Ben, I listened with shock at her interaction with Pip this week. Pip tried four times to tell her mum she's struggling, that she is exhausted, she's not sleeping, she's struggling with Rosie at night, and she's worried about Rosie's behaviour. She was asking for her mum's reassurance and a listening ear. So Ruth shrugged and said she only vaguely remembered what Pip had told her before, told Pip they needed to move on then immediately, asked Pip to give, her, give up her time so Ruth could tell her all about her own project and ideas about cows, rather ironically. Delighted to hear Ruth announce she wanted to increase her cow number. As an aside, poor Pip, <laughs> and I never thought I would say that. Ooh. Pip was then let down by both her business partners. Rex and Phoebe shat on her and left her to do the rewilding meeting alone. I think Pip is crying out for help. She said she feels like a shadow of her former self. Watch this space love to all, silver girl. Team Pip, oh gosh, I love yeah, I love the comment about Ruth wanting to increase her cow number. Um, oh, I don't know, I think Pip and Ruth are cut from the same cloth. I, I don't know, what do you think about that? Do you think uh, Pip needs to be heard by her mother? Was Pip not
4: being heard by her mother?
5: No, Just Ruth that her was mother quite...
4: Disagreed.
5: No, her mother was quite sort of cutting and not really listening, I suppose. Uh, But it might be that she's just heard Pip going on about it for so long. And when Pip did specifically say about Rose's bad behaviour... Um, Ruth did seem to be quite sort of stunned and yet equally not interested but then maybe throughout the time of the monologues maybe Ruth was on a lasagna making course or something so she wasn't actually aware of what was going on with Rosie (laughs) you never know. We have one more from Miranda. So, hi, Roy, Phil. Thanks for the podcast and for addressing my registration query. I'm a bit of an old bag and moderately incompetent with IT, but excellent at self-deprecation. I've just tried registering again. The page doesn't seem to want any of my details, and who would blame it? My preferences and opinions are worth sod all to data harvesters, I imagine. Tantalizingly, the login page seems to work fine. Can you help, please? I hadn't realised I'd been broadcast until uh, at Jen J. Stephen commented upon my Antibian accent. There was I thinking I sounded like Shula, Lizard, or even Jenny Darling when all along I'm just oozing Madge Bishop. Also delighted you lot approve <laughs> of my clothing and garden style choices. It's reassuring to be surrounded by right-minded people, really hoping the vile Philip is found out before he slithers off to Wales with Kirsty. I'm also hoping that Freddie, Linda and Rota boy Roy will be the detectives. God knows it won't be Harrison who uncovers the crime, although he ma- he developed massively as an individual this week. Just a shame he's a non-productive Rosser. Holding my breath in anticipation of the storyline around the termination of the Fair Brethren tenancy, I do hope they get all the legal details right, as I'm still waiting for the full episode promised me by Kerry Davis on how Jenny Darling satisfied GDPR regs affecting the village newsletter, I think we should be told. <laughs> Many hugs, Miranda. Now, I have to say, Royfield. Field, in, mm. in honour of Miranda's email, I tried to register to the Dum-de-Dum website as well. And I tried using Chrome and Safari and everything else, and it wouldn't let oh, me. I, I did. So, okay, all
4: right, all right. Jesse I haven't pressed the button on Jesse fixing the site um it has to be said I did say it was going to happen this week it should be fixed before the end of next week I can make that as a very firm should be possibly probably um <laughs> it will be sorted soon early november folks just in time for 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 bonfire night there you go
5: <laughs> Miranda and I will be holding you to it please do <laughs> Uh, Is that the end of the emails? That is. We are email finitoed. Yes, all done.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all
5: the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing.
3: And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
6: Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra.
4: So we're almost in the home stretch now. And uh, so it's only right and proper that we turn the mic over to Sue for some social media action.
12: Hello, everybody. You lovely people. It's Sue here, Queen Otar on the Twitters uh, with the social media roundup. It's going to be... Mostly about Vince, or Mince, depending on what you want to call him, and Lizzie. Because that seems to be pretty much what people have been talking about for a lot of the week. They are quite obsessed with it, really, let's be clear. Not so much about anything else. Clearly, most of what else has happened on the archers has passed people by. Although, we did take a bit of a sidebar and go off and look at life on the BBC, which we've got a couple of lovely archers peoples in. Buffy, who plays Jolene, Um, she was there. I did go back and re-watch her, and you did get tiny little bits of her accent in there, which was very satisfying to hear. Um, And David Troughton, um, who's Tony. They're both in it, although I'm two episodes in, and Tony hasn't actually said anything yet. So unless I knew it was him, I'd have no chance of knowing. Um, Hopefully, episode three, we'll get to hear him. There's lots of people who think that Mince, Vince, is really great. Anybody who winds up David is a really good idea. And that was reflected both in the Facebook page and also in the Flick app. Lots of people talking about that. Anna asked about Sausage Boy and whether that was Tom. Um, We don't always remember that new listeners don't know all of these nicknames and where they've all come from. We should really probably have a roundup of what everybody calls them if we could agree upon that. Linda Curtis went on from that to say that we should get rid of both No Cash and Philip in one go. It was all going to get very complicated um, if we have, as Joan requested, the Dream Welsh Couple. We went on to a lot of suggestions about what we would have if we were going to be on a Saturday night episode, a Friday night episode. There were quite a few things that came from the Friday night episode. So we had Keith. He wanted Lizzie to be in a compromising position with Vince and have the twins burst in on him, a bit like the shower scene. Uh, Then we had Wendy, who wanted, oh, in a bit of a departure from everybody else, Harrison researching egg donors, which I'm not sure is going to solve the problem, but that would be great to listen to. Uh, Then we had Philippa, who wanted to hear them listening to other radio stations and um, a bit like a kind of audio goggle box an ogle boxer yeah no don't go there and then Susan requested that we could go back to having Neil and Hannah just discussing the pigs do you remember when people used to talk about pigs then we had for Saturday night we had Carolyn and Philip who were talking about all sorts of interesting scenarios we could have on a Saturday night episode it's Saturday night and frankly it's the same as any other night in the besighted place it's Saturday night at Peggy's and Hilda is holding a seance for dead cats it's Saturday night and Adam is looking for his personality really go and look at this post if you haven't done so because frankly it brings out everybody's preconceptions everybody's complaints and I think there's something in there for all of us going on to a slightly more serious note we're going to have a film group a film club being run through the flick app and the first one, which Royfield's already posted up and post up some Dropbox information, if you can't get onto Netflix, is Rocks, which is on Ro- Netflix. And that is going to be something for us to discuss and talk about. It looks like it's going to be some really challenging content. And I expect that we're going to have a really good time going through that and discussing that and seeing what everybody's ideas are. So there's lots there to read if you haven't had a look at it already. Um, and hopefully that will give you a good idea of what's going on. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week.
4: Thank you for that, Sue. And now it's uh, the moment I was going to say you've all been waiting for. It's our Philippa and her tweet, singular, tweeter (laughs) of the week.
5: (laughs) And it's Amanda White who said, while they're digging up for treasure, they might turn up some of Ruth's lost consonants. Baboon.
4: Hey. (laughs) That's actually quite good, that uh yeah. folks um this has been uh a dum dum and um and you know the drill uh if you want more dum dum action go to dum-de-dum.com go there it's got sharp it's got oh blooming nora yeah you should be getting on there folks because uh it's christmas is coming last week we thanked everybody on patreon and paypal apart from poor gary bridge i don't know how he fell through the cracks but patreon is a wonderful facility whereby you can support this podcast uh, without the uh, the contri- the contrib- contributions of uh, our Patreons. There'd be no podcast. Yeah, I might have started it six years ago. I wouldn't have continued it for six years. So that's how important people are that contribute to the website.
5: Remember to get in contact, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or call 0203 031. 3105 to leave a message or send a text message starting with d u m to 07786200690 the next
4: bit is a, is a well trod path in terms of things the things that we say uh, but it is quite simply this twitter 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 <laughs> twitter 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 and uh, you can find Dum-de-Dum on Twitter at Dumdidum. Uh, Auntie Kerry Warburton is found at Kerry Warbis, which is K E R I W A R B I S. And then Pete Fickling can be found at Pete Fickling, which is uh, quite simply spelled P E T E F I C K L I N G. Now, Miss QuickBook Reviews, Philippa Hall, where can people find you on Twitter?
5: Yes, people can find me, funnily enough, at QuickBook Review. But just to be tricky, instead of a W at the end, there's a three. So it's QuickBook Review, but a three instead of a W.
4: Oh, goodness. Mm.
5: Just to be different.
4: I take it, QuickBook Review had already gone. <laughs>
5: but the person hasn't used it for years and I just wish they'd let me have it because it all ties in it's all part of the same brand but there we go I like being different and I will be
4: it says to me that you didn't think about the name of your podcast before you started
5: actually Not what, what happened
4: forward planning, no, Philippa Hall. no
5: no 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 so I started off on Instagram then I started the podcast oh about 14 months ago and I only started on Twitter hmm, about nine months ago 10 months ago um maybe near a year but well after the the podcast so uh, it just it just happened not
4: enough forward planning that's exactly what I said and you just proved to me no forward planning you started the podcast without thinking of the ramifications of not having a handle on Twitter that matched up the name of the podcast
5: I think you're being very rude, and, and and I'm just going to go in the corner now. <laughs> quietly. <laughs> it's just so unfair. Okay, maybe I could have planned that better. I need to say, remember, when tweeting about The Archers, please use the capitalised hashtag of The Archers. So a capital T and a capital A, as this really helps visually impaired people who use screen readers. Without the capitals, it's read as a string of gobbledygook.
4: Facebook, folks, well, my thoughts and feelings on this social media juggernaut are well known. So go on to Facebook, type in Dumpty Dum, and just relax with other fans of the Archers. Now, the Flick app. It's very close to my heart, and I don't big up the Flick App posse enough. There used to be a time when every episode I'd go, big up to the Flick App posse, like that, and it's kind of fallen slightly out of favour. But that's, that all ends right here now, folks, because I had an epiphany. Philippa, would you like to know what my epiphany consisted of?
5: I am agog with anticipation. Please immediately tell me what your epiphany is.
4: The Flick App launched about a year and a half ago. At that point, um, let's say that um, interaction with the page uh, that we had on Facebook was slowly starting to decline. So then to have the Flick app, um, what I realized was it duplicated Read really what was happening on the Facebook page. Uh, and I'd never really thought of a way of really separating the two, because ultimately it's Dumpty Dum fans on their phones, and most people are going to access Facebook on their phones now. It's dum dum fans on their phones talking about the Archers and then possibly dum dum But one of the lovely things about the Flick app is that actually there's been – it has taken on a life of its own, and I didn't really, really realise this. So I have mentioned this before, but I didn't realise the the significance of it. So one of the lovely threads on there is – what I'm having for dinner and people talk about what they're having for dinner and or take a picture of it, not in an Instagrammy way, then it's got to look perfect. But, you know, people are just saying, I'm going to, I'm making shepherd's pie tonight. Somebody says, oh, that looks lovely. You should give us the recipe, etc." And then there is, where am I in the world? And because and I think people have realised that I do a lot of travelling, so that is definitely one thread where I like to send a picture of where I've been, whether it's Berlin or Sicily or Toronto or uh, being back home in California. And Sue did say this in her social media roundup um, that really what we should really make the Flick app is a passion area for dumdy dummers. So if you are let's say into cake baking. If you are into mahjong, if you are whatever you're into, create a thread and put your passion there. There's going to be other dummy dummies because there are 500 and odd people who have signed up to it that they then can connect with you via that passion interest. So um, I talked about rocks. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before now. Um, Wonderful film about uh, a coming-of-age film about East End uh, London girls. I've started a movie club. The movie club is only going to be publicised going forward on the Flick app. So once a month, we're going to meet on Zoom, and we're going to talk about a film. I'm going to start the first film, and then I'm going to throw it out for other people on the Flick app then to nominate a film. And it's only going to be half an hour. That's what I'm... Using the Flick app for. So again, if you have a an interest, a passion that you want to share it with other dumpy dummers, go onto the Flick app. That's what it's there for now. And uh, go and register it, and then go and chat to other dumpy dummers about that specific thing. Big up to the Flick app posse. One of the ways of which we basically every podcast uh, survives in this jungle of which there are over one million individual podcasts. I think it's one point one million now. One of the ways of which uh, you stick your head above the parapet, if you're a podcaster, is to have reviews. And they're, and they're incredibly important uh, because then other people then get to uh, see or hear about your podcast and when they go into iTunes or another podcatcher of your choice. Now, um, this is one of the reviews we got in the last week. Take it away, Philippa Hall.
5: New and improved, five stars. This is the best incarnation of a podcast to which I've long listened but often struggled. I was briefly infamous for giving it its worst review ever and squared up to head honcho Royfield to discuss it on the podcast. It's still got terrible bits, an awful name for starters, listeners sending in their excruciating and almost unlistenable dum dee dum musical intros, a repetitive script that is long past its sell-by date and which they would do well to ditch. Awful, in-joke terms like caller-innerer and docudrama, which aren't funny, useless questions for the actors from the listeners, plus a weird initiation questionnaire that callers are forced to comply with, answering questions such as, what is their archer's vintage? Basically, the character that came into the show the year they started listening. Bonkers and not very amusing, and probably the reason I've never called in. They also often over-analyse the archers with an overzealous book club style tenacity. But, but... At a time when The Archers is not at its best, Dum-de-Dum bizarrely goes from strength to strength. It now has a presenting team that was clearly hastily cobbled together after Lucy's sudden departure. Did she quit or was she pushed? But which works much, much better. Kerry and Peter's gently dry, entertaining sense of humour chimes well with Royfield and nicely keeps him in check. The engaging dynamic of all three even provides moments of genuine drama, such as when Royfield recently relished, somewhat unfairly, Peter squirming over a comment about modern slavery. In short, getting better. Still hate the name of the show, though. Clemcott. Well, well, he's going to have a lot to say about me, isn't he? That's I'm sorry. <laughs> <ill of> you. <laughs> You're going to go from five stars to no stars. I'm sorry, boys. <laughs> <all of you. laughs> I can only apologise. Uh oh. I just want to say thank you so much. I've loved every minute of this. It's been such fun, and uh, yes, can't wait to do more. Thank you.
4: There you go, folks. Philippa can't wait to do more. So, it only leaves me to say, Tarara bits.